Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 11. Today's guest is a producer, director, animator, and designer. He has won over 250 major awards for his work, and he's worked for a number of animation studios, including DePatty Freeling, Jay Ward, Pantomime Pictures, Ed Graham Productions, Format Films, and for his own company, Kurtz and Friends. It was his work on the Pink Panther for DePatty Freeling that I originally contacted Bob for my book, Think Pink, the DePatty Freeling Story, which was released in 2016 from Bear Manor Media. And then I interviewed him again for my book, Alvin, the story of Ross Bagdasarian Jr., Liberty Records, Format Films, and The Alvin Show which is available now for pre-order on www.bearmanormedia.com and soon to be released in February or March of 2019. Here he is, Bob Kurtz. Basically, I wanted to know, you know, we talked before with the Patty Freeling, but looking on IMDb, is this your first job? Professional no. job? Okay. No, no, it's not. Okay. I, I, I worked at uh, Disney. My first job was Disney doing experimental films, uh, storyboard and writing, and actually directing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I don't list that type of stuff, but it's like... No, well, the film was never finished. Oh, which, which well, film was it? It was, it was stopped before it was finished, so it's an incomplete... I'm in the book of... Uh, I mean, there's a Disney book on unfinished pro, uh, you know, projects. Yeah, I have uh, that. So Yeah, well, I'm in it. Oh, okay. All right, I'll have to look at it again. Which one was it? Do you Oh, it's called The Emperor's Nightingale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And they had Mickey, a picture of Mickey in there. Did you do one of those layouts no. and drawings? Okay. Got it. Okay. Just curious because it's like, you know, it's like you know, it's fine if the Alvin show was the first thing, but, you know, Disney's even better. So like, yeah. yeah, no, I started on my teacher, Teehee, who later became my partner, uh, brought me to Disney okay. and gave me great opportunities. And then he's actually the one that was responsible for me going to work at Format Films. Oh, okay. So uh, when I left, okay, because he kind of arranged it. I already had a job okay. when I left, and he he made me go interview with uh, Herb Clint. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, go ahead and ask your questions. Okay, so you never worked at UPA then, right? No, I didn't. Okay, all right. Um, no, I am asking the question. That was my first question. <laughs> so the, okay. The Jet Alvin show was the first job, but anyway. Uh, so, you know, at uh, on working on the Alvin show, you designed the characters. Uh, which characters did you design? Just the Chipmunks and David Seville, or did you design others? Uh, yeah, but, well, that was basically it. Later on, there were probably some incidental ones, but, uh, yeah, it was just that, not quite Crash Cup. Okay. I didn't do that. So who? That was uh, Leo Salkin. Oh, okay. And Leonardo too, the the little yeah. silent partner. Okay. Now, how did that work? Was that like was it the same people working on both Alvin and the Chipmunks, I guess, and on Crash Cup, or was it like split up between two teams or three teams even, or how did that work? Okay, let me uh, let me just answer you, uh, one question so you know where I'm coming from. Okay. Okay. And then I can answer all those. Okay. Uh, because I realized, I started thinking about, okay, I'm going to be talking to you, and I realized that you have, uh, you know, have Joe Sercusa, the editor, who had, you know, he's wonderful and had so many, many experiences. Right. Uh, when I got hired, bef- 
came on uh, at uh, Format Films. I was hired as a writer and a and I did storyboards. And the the I think the unique thing is uh, Leo Salkin is the one who did the uh, the original storyboard and was really the overseer and worked real closely with uh, Ross Bagasarian. Okay. The, the movers of the company were Herb Klan and uh, Leo took over that project. Now, when I came there, uh, I'm in a, a very unique position. I uh, was a, a writer. I worked on all aspects of the show. I was present when the show was sold to the networks. I was Leo's right-hand man for story editing of freelance wow. uh, writers. <laughs> so basically, uh, and of course, I you know I worked with uh, animators. I worked with all the you know the directors, and uh, I don't think I, I'm not sure, but I think I'm the only one that wrote on all aspects of the show because <laughs> uh, most of the time it it, it did get. You know, people had uh, specialties. A few people slipped over. Might have been somebody who did an Alvin and a Clyde Crash Cup, mm -hmm. but uh, I did a, I, I did them all. Oh. Uh, I, I, I did a lot. So just so you know, and you know, and when we're asking questions, <laughs> I can tell you a lot. I realized, oh my God, it's kind of scary. Uh, I think there's uh, Alan Zaslav, but I don't know if he, you know, Kentucky's one of the animators. But if you look at the credits, not all the credits are on the show. Because I looked up, I thought, oh, IBM, and, you know, or whatever it's called. And I looked it up, and it had freelance credits and, uh, on the equal level of the staff credits, and it didn't have a lot of the staff writers. Right. So it's, it's all mixed up. Uh, as to uh, who really worked there, who didn't, who came in on one, you know, one job, uh, you know, all that. So um, I'm, I'm just letting you know from almost, uh, I mean, it's kind of unique. I didn't realize it, but I, I, I sort of worked on so many aspects. I'm probably the only one. I hate to say it, it got scary. I don't feel that old. I'm on the left. Who knows? Everything. Okay. So my, yeah, I know everything about the show. <laughs> oh, and, I, and I was worked very close with Ross Bagasarian because mm -hmm. I was constantly working with him, and there were a lot of stories and a lot of stuff. So uh, because I was one of the young writers, and he he, he liked working with me. So he, you know, we, we would talk a lot. He was a very, very strong, opinionated, yeah. and really a pleasure to work with, but very, very opinionated, yeah. which was great. He had his own viewpoint and what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And that, well, that, was that, one, that was one of my questions, is like, how, how involved was Ross Bagdasarian? It sounds like he's very hands-on, he very accessible. He was completely involved on on all the uh, in all the story meetings we presented to Ross. That's who signed off on the uh, show, and he was there constantly. Um, he was um, he was a force. Uh, he had a lot of energy. He controlled the the tracks. Mm -hmm. And I, I was when they recorded. We were never around when they recorded. They mm -hmm. recorded off the. Uh, premises. So the recording aspects, I know nothing about, mm -hmm. other than what Ross would tell me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, uh, 
things that they did, I didn't see it. Though I, you know, I would see many of the voice talents came in and talked to us. Mm-hmm. So June Foray, Shep Menken, those, those kind of people. I had, I, you know, I, I, I would I, I talk with, and uh, I just, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing. I thought, oh, <laughs> uh, I have. I hate to tell you, but I got hours of stories because uh, <laughs> I was there. Yeah. So, I mean, anything, any little chestnut, I mean, if you give me the majority of the stories, there usually is one narrative that kind of carries the whole thing. And if that's you, then here we are. Well, okay, well, <laughs> no, I just, I just, you know, to give you, you know, the, the, the um, uh, what am I, from where, where I'm, I think it's best I tell you where I'm coming from, okay. which is, that's, that, it was really fascinating, but it was, it was, uh, Format was my second job, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had a I had a great time working on the show, and oh. a lot of freedom. Anyway, so from there, go ahead, ask your questions. Okay. I just oh. want to let you know. Okay. Well, some questions are just kind of silly. I should I could just look them up, but I just want, kind of want to know. It's like oh no no where no, where please. where was Format Films? I mean, I know in Lo- Southern California, Los Angeles, but where was it located? Do you remember? It it was on Laurel Canyon okay. uh, Boulevard, and it's in uh, I guess. It's, is that called North Hollywood? Okay. Like, it was just, it was a block uh, above uh, the freeway 134. Okay. <laughs> so whatever, I'm, I'm not sure what place it was, but it's a two-story uh, building, a, a big space, mm-hmm. uh, actually, for uh, at that time, for an animation studio. And did you do everything in-house, including... The voice recordings, or was that done? You said it was done no, elsewhere? No, the, the voice was recorded somewhere else. Okay. Do you think it might have been Monarch? I think that's where a lot of the Chipmunks things, at least the record versions, were Monarch Studios. Does that sound right? I don't know. Okay. I, I really don't know. Okay. I know he, he was, uh, he, uh, Ross was very, um, uh, he, he was like secretive on how he got, you know, how he recorded fast. Right. That was that was his pride. He really <laughs> was really happy with how he was able to do it. And he, you know, he used to tell me that Disney wanted to know how he did it because the, uh, he, as in his words, uh, his Chip and Dale, Disney Chip and Dale wasn't as good as his. But that yeah. was that was Ross talking. <laughs> uh, well, I'll tend to agree with him. I mean, it's like I think the secret I always thought is that he spoke slower. Oh, of course, he said to speak very slower, and then with accents, but yeah, that, that's what they did. They spit it yeah. up, whatever, three times. Yeah, I mean, that's what they did. Yeah. Whereas uh, Chip and Dale, uh, they just spoke normally and sped it up, so he's like, blah, 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 you know, it was too fast. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think it was just, you know, the, 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 it's like, you know, he had, um, Ross Becker, as you know, probably, you know, he did come on to my house, come mine, which right. was his, and he was really proud of his uh, Armenian heritage, and he and his uh, cousin, William Saroyan, uh, we're very close, and he brought William Saroyan to the studio. Oh, okay. So how are you with their cousins, you said? Okay. Yeah, wow. they were cousins. In fact, very early on, I don't know if it was in the 40s, it was a long time ago, but I think uh, Saroyan had written, uh, I think it was, I can't remember what the play was, very famous play, and I, I can't remember offhand, but they drove across country, Ross and mm-hmm. uh, uh, William, and they made up the character, uh, he wasn't named Clyde 
Design of those characters, or even on the chipmunk characters, how, how did those? Well, the, the the chipmunk characters, how it came is uh, originally with a big long. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it came. You know, if they had them in the, the records that pre pre you know preceded it, but Leo Salkin did the first rough drawings, or no, they're not that rough, but I mean, he did storyboards with the characters and. They, they don't look anything like what the, uh, the what we know them to be, but they they were they were great drawings. Mm-hmm. And when he had done it, so then when we uh, and I'd been there when you know I did the presentation and set before. So when we were uh, starting to design the show, I did my own variation off of what Leo had done, okay. and we're drawing and. was that sketch was it like a rough sketch or is it a, like a fully it was realized... pretty clean it was pretty clean oh, okay. but it was only in one position each right. character was only in one position mm-hmm. in fact what happened it was a strange Rudy Lariva when he got it because I thought well somebody will do turnarounds or do you know something all he did is he copied it reversed the copy so they and they just referred to it looking left and looking right it was real strange at the beginning <laughs> I thought they gotta do more than that but uh 
Okay. So that, that's how I ended up designing it. It wasn't a, uh, it's not normally how you're told to design right. a character. So there is never any directive for or against, I mean, you've seen earlier chipmunks prior to the show, right? That they look really realistic on the album covers. And then there were some puppets on Ed Sullivan's show where Ross was on there. Uh, the puppets were designed by Bob Clampett and, you know, just variations that look compl- more realistic, I would say, than the cartoony versions you came up with. Was that oh, yeah. a conscious yeah. effort? Was, was, I'm sorry, what? Was that a conscious effort to say, let's make oh, yeah. a more cartoony? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, because, they, first of all, Leo Salkin's drawings were much more, uh, they were in the cartoon realm. They mm-hmm. were, the, you know, they were those kind of shapes. Uh, and, I mean, I, I took... You know, uh, I, I kept their the relative proportions, but drew them that way. And, and uh, as an aside, I ended up not only doing you know all these different things I did, but I did the album uh, for Golden Books. Uh, Ross came to me, and I did uh, one Golden Book on uh, Alvin called Alvin's Lost Voice, and another one for Clyde Crash Cup. So I did I did the uh, books for him along with he wanted to sell a um, a uh, comic strip. Mm. So I, I I I inked the original thing, but he couldn't sell the comic strip. Mm. So I mean, he would come to me for extra work, you know, at me okay. like uh, that was outside the studio realm. In other right. words, if, you know, uh, well, you do the you know the, the uh, golden books. And I said, you know, well, I hadn't you know ever done it before, but be sure, why not? <laughs> you, I mean, that's a nice compliment. Yes. D- did you work on the comic book at all? The one published by Dell. That was called no. Alvin. Okay. No, I didn't. No, I didn't do any of that. Okay. Uh, um, the stuff I did, I wrote. I wrote and illustrated. But okay. no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't do that. And then, did you do drawings for like the promotional stuff? Like, there's little records that they did, like well, like the album covers and stuff like that. So. Well, occasionally they. You know, I think I roughed out stuff okay. for them. You know, and then they'd have other artists. Uh, you know, come in and paint or whatever. But, you know, at times they would ask me to do things, yeah. Got it, okay, okay. And um, as as a company overall, I guess, this is just kind of expanding out a little bit, what was format films like? I mean, like in, in you could say, in comparison to, say, Disney or to Patty Freeling or anywhere else you've worked, how, how did it work? Well, it one it was very artist friendly. What part of it was that Herb had been a really good background painter before he, they had him as a production manager, you know, and then as he became a producer, he uh he had an artistic sense. Mm-hmm. And uh and his partner, uh you know, I, I think it was a minor partner was Jules Engel. Right. And of course so he had two artists running the studio, they had Buddy Getzler. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what his relationship was, but he was like the business guy, so he was always sour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, the there was a lot of wonderful to me. It, there's very spirited group of people. Um, mm-hmm. Had you know, they had some really, really good writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, had good animators. You know, they what I think is fascinating. They had the first. Uh, a, a, a good friend of mine, Frank Braxton, was the first black animator mm. in American animation. And he, and besides that, he also was a wonderful musician. Uh, and they had a lot of uh, good musicians, uh, besides artists, so at lunchtime, they would, be, they, they would play jazz. You'd bring your brown bag and 
uh, at lunchtime. Mm. And then Frank would play uh, constantly. He played guitar, so he would play these at break. He'd, he'd play for me. But they had the, you know, what I think is fascinating in at earlier time. He, you know, like Frank came way before they ever hired anybody at Disney, and by the time they were doing the show, they had two black uh, animators working on the show. Which I, I mean, I didn't know that there weren't that Frank was the first black animator. He just was a good mm-hmm. friend, and I thought they had to be black animators somewhere working. <laughs> it turned out there were there weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but it's it just a lot of really good talent. Six episodes, one season, or no? Oh, I don't know what. No, it was it was rare that they had uh, that animation went prime time. Right. It was a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. You know, that's you know, that's a um, a network's decision. Okay. Why to cut something, or and uh, we you know we would never know. I mean, I. I Like they did the one season in primetime and then it moved to Saturday mornings and instead of doing a few more or any more, you know, it's like it just was repeats over and over and over. So I started watching them in the early seventies and it was the same ones. I had no idea they're from nineteen sixty one. They were they were new to me, you know, and it's like you know, I didn't I found out later, you know, that wow, not only is that Ross is dead, you know, it's like, Wow, I didn't know that you know, because he died in seventy two. So was, that's why right. I was like, Wow, these things are really old, but they didn't seem so fresh. And why didn't they do more? But they eventually did, of course, later on with you know the sun and everything. But that's a whole another right. story. Um, it's still going on, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the different versions they do now, like yeah, they have a CGI version now, and and they've had the live action version and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I know. I I can just I know people who worked on the you know later shows with uh, you know with Ross Junior and other. And basically, um, there was, I mean, there were, it, it was a happier place with Ross Sr., mm-hmm. that's all I could say. Okay. The other one is, um, 
you know, because I didn't work there. But you, you got the feeling people did not enjoy that much working there, or a lot of people didn't. Now, there must be a percentage that did like it. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe looking back, if people left a format, there might have been people going, you know, the same thing, but I wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, the people I, I worked with really had a good time. Mm-hmm. Now, you just worked on Alvin's show at Format, or did you also work on, like, the movie titles, TV titles, and other stuff? I worked on a lot of stuff. I did a lot of commercials for him when I first came in. I don't remember doing movie titles, because when the show was over, I moved on. Okay. Uh, So, I I wasn't there after the show. When the show left, I left. I mean, when they were through with the show. With the uh, Alvin show, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, well, I'd say I'm, I'm, I may have, I'm trying to remember, because I, I worked on industrial films, uh, I co-authored a, uh, uh, one of the industrial films with uh, Leo Salkin, uh, I'm trying to think, I, I think pretty much, I might have come back once, but um, I, I was working basic as a, as a writer, but I wasn't around when they did The Long Ranger or some of the other shows, yeah. I, that was long I gone. I didn't see your name on that, so I was just curious. No, I was long gone. But uh, one that seemed contemporary with Alvin's show, there's uh, some TV titles, and I wrote it down for shows that I don't even know about. Uh, One Happy Family and The Hathaways, two different shows. Uh, Do those ring a bell at all? (laughs) No. Okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, there there was something from TV spots, and I can't remember. It was like the Colonel and something else. Like Calvin and the Calvin and the yeah, Colonel. Yeah, Cal- Calvin and the Colonel. I remember that. Okay. And it was something with Get Smart. I think that was uh, either Superdog or well, some, Tennessee Tuxedo. A Tennessee yeah. Tuxedo, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, again, the budgets were not very big, mm-hmm. and the time pressures were uh, pretty strong, you know, in terms of trying to get the work out. So, uh even though it was prime time, it didn't have big budgets, so they were they were always struggling. It's the same thing Jay Ward went through, and I worked for Jay Ward, and they didn't have. They often, and you know, they were uh, budget deprived. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, so often when someone looks at it and says, "Well, yeah, they don't have much animation," well, you know, they didn't have much time to do it. Um, you know, it was like uh, they really knocked out the footage. Yeah. Well, I know that whole story on the other side because I did a total television book. And so, yeah, that is Tennessee Tuxedo and Underdog, but that was all the New York guys. They didn't cross yeah, over. That's right. Except the animation studio was in Mexico, that Gamma production. So That's right. And I knew, you know, I knew directors who had gone down there. So when they were doing it down in Mexico, I mean, they were having their shoes shined at the desk for like five cents, you know, and they had one foot up while they're drawing. And, and like, because I worked on Roger Ramjet, so, you know, like, you know, Jay Ward, they often put, you know, scenes, scenes out of sync, you know, flares, you know, anything goes, you know, there's no such thing as a reshoot, you know. The stuff was done, it was brilliantly written, and then, and smartly animated, mm-hmm. but you couldn't, I mean, you're kind of amazed, because I did a lot of, uh, you know, when I came back, and I've done a lot of commercials and public service spots with uh, J. Ward characters, uh, which, you know, I redesigned, and I was always surprised when I come back and I go study, you know, I want to, you know, be true to the source, and I realize there's no 
there's hardly anything. <laughs> you know, they're they're bare bones mm -hmm. because when I'm doing it, I'm filling it with, you know, with there's a kind of a, a, a choreography of sound and things going on. They would just be dialogue and occasionally an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> So, and the answer is probably yes. Is a, they did a little chipmunks ads for Jello and everything as a sponsor and stuff. Did you do all that as well? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Those are mine. Actually, that's an interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, I did the Jello commercial, sixty-second Jello commercial, mm -hmm. and I wrote it, and because I you know, do something for Jello, so I did my board. Now, if you look at the Jello commercial, it's the truest of the way I, I draw <laughs> was done in film, and that was Bob Cannon. Bob Cannon, who was a marvelous director, animator from uh, UPA, and just brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, I mean, really one of the legends of animation. And he used to come by and visit, and because he was kind of, you know, he, he was kind of freelancing, not doing a whole lot. And so they came in and they said, uh, you know, when I was given it, you know, do a Jello commercial. So I drew it up and then they said, we're going to have Bo Cannon animated. I said, oh, great, you know. And so he went and animated, and particularly the Jello's moving all around and he's doing this stuff. I mean, it's, for its time, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And it's brilliant anyway. You can see it on YouTube. Right. But it's the only time that my characters are drawn the way because uh, I did the layouts and he was true to my layouts mm. because they used to kind of square them off you know I have curves I had stuff so if you want to know what the chipmunks really look like it's it's that jello commercial okay because I noticed they look slightly different than on the show and so that explains it so that, that's the, yeah that's oh, that's the original design okay, okay. <laughs> that's, the, right. that's the design that's the stuff they're supposed to be drawing right it's, is that only it, it takes skill it, yeah. you know because yeah. uh, I, I mean I didn't uh, I mean there was like you know when Hanna-Barbera's around you, you, you draw stuff so it's so easy that anybody can draw and they can knock out their footage mm -hmm. I didn't draw because they, when they asked me to do it I didn't draw it so they could knock out their footage mm -hmm. so as they did it they you know they found a way to get it simpler and simpler so they could knock out the footage <laughs> But Bo Cannon just could animate up gorgeous because you know there's like when the Jello's moving, I indicated it, and he's got like Alvin doing all the distortion behind it. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's pure Bob. I mean, I think I probably <laughs> did a drawing, but I never thought it'd look like that. When I, you know, I I thought, oh my God, you know, I look, you know, my work looks brilliant <laughs> when done by. <laughs> Bob Cannon, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, you, know, you, you can tell I'm still excited about 
Now, I've, ne- I've never seen all the shows uncut. Obviously, I've seen most of them in reruns or even on DVD. Uh, did they? Did you have a different commercial for each episode, or uh, did they repeat them? Oh, you mean the Joe? Yeah, or anything. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, okay. I don't remember because that was completely separate. No, they had a series. Of, no, I think okay. they only did one Jello commercial. Okay. And I, I didn't. I mean, most of the time it was just regular commercials went okay. on in between. And I think there were a couple other chipmunk commercials, if I remember correctly. I should have checked. But well, I only did one. Oh, okay. so, that, so, uh, so therefore I don't remember. Okay, but I know there was a product placement for Soaky the Fun Bath, but I don't know if they did a animated commercial for that. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I can tell you one flaw in the system, mm. and it used to drive the uh, the writers crazy. Was we would uh, we would go through, and we you know each writer would go and present his his uh, storyboard mm-hmm. to uh, Ross, Herb, a couple other people. You know, uh, there'd be about four or five because there's always a group around Ross. And so we, you know, mm-hmm. we would make the, you know, we would do the, you know, the uh, storyboard presentation. Mm-hmm. With that, then they would, someone would come in and unpin the board and put it in order and go away. <laughs> we... The director was never present in the presentation. Mm. It was taken to the director, and and I, I remember thinking it was an awful system that the director's not present in the presentation, uh, and they would go off and they would plus it. You know, the, I don't know if you know the word plus. Not they, sure. they would add something to it, oh. not understanding what the essence of a gag or a situation or a staging or a story point. Mm-hmm. They didn't get it. So um, uh, Cal Howard, one of the great, great comedy gag men, and Tee and I, uh, I shared at one point we were all in one big room, but it, it got so, I'm going to wander off, but it got so noisy because they had the editorial next door, which Joe Syracuse and members because mm-hmm. why they were doing Alvin the Chipmunk show, uh, Jack Kinney, who used to work at uh, Disney, had Popeye. Mm-hmm. They were doing Popeye cartoons. So while they're cutting it, all, while we're writing and trying to hear, and, and it's next door and it's really loud, they go, Olive Oil would say, Oh, Popeye, please save me. This would go on and on. It was just over and over. <laughs> oh, Popeye, please save me. And this false voice going, crazy <laughs> so at one point uh, I'd like to say you know uh, some of the key animators this, but T. Uh, Cal Howard Dick Shaw who it was you know originally wrote the Magoos wonderful crazy man we were we were moved out of the writers group that was there and put in a separate building and we were like supposedly the cream of the crop so we were put off by ourselves. So often, on like, I think it was Monday night, whatever night the album uh, Chipmunk show would come, we, we'd get together and we'd watch the show and it's like probably uh, writer's remorse, but every show, because we never saw anything until it went on air. Mm. You know, they, we were never included in the process of making, you know, which is... I mean, nobody does that. They didn't even do it today in a rush, I don't think. Uh, you know, that the director and the writer don't get together. Mm. And uh, 
it was it could have the show could have been so much better because every episode at least did the group I knew that worked on it we were just moaning and groaning because they just didn't get it uh, <laughs> because they were not in the room mm. you know uh, you know you, you I don't remember how long it took us to write a story and maybe when I was in doing Pink Panthers you know only had two weeks so I think I was probably in the two week syndrome I mean it's yeah, I got used to you probably not got a story in a couple weeks yeah and nobody, out of all those episodes, and nobody suggested to do it differently? They just no. did it the same way the whole entire time? No, they were in a rush, but it was a stupid rush. I mean, everything was a rush. I mean, the idea that you would come and... I mean, I, you know, I, I think sometimes I did unpin my own board, but you just put it in a pile. And then Dick Shaw, who was... A, I mean, first of all, Cal Howard was the funniest man I've ever seen deliver a board. Mm-hmm. So he would do the board... And of course, he could make you laugh at, a, at, a, at anything. So, but fortunately, he was very, very funny. And the thing that was unique—I mean, Cal was brilliant. I mean, a brilliant gag man. Uh, but I was trained at Chenard Art Institute, so I, I had a pretty fairly contemporary training and drawing and the sense of design. Uh, he, uh, Cal, drew like milk gross. Do you know who Milk Gross yeah. is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, so when a character runs, it's every joint is, it's all awkward. <laughs> but funny. Yeah. You know, when, you know, when he's running, the thumbs are sticking out, you yeah. know. I mean, it's just, it, it's like, uh, it, it's like, I'm looking at a drawing, a drawing that's all long, mm-hmm. but so funny. Mm-hmm. So because I'm drawing, everyone else's drawings is sort of more contemporary of what it is. He's got these outlandish, you know, kind of drawn from the 20s and the 30s mm-hmm. that's in the show, maybe 30s, but it was so funny. So I, I gained a, a, a great respect for funny drawing. Screw how well it's drawn. Is it a funny drawing? Mm-hmm. So it, it was great watching him deliver, and then Dick Shaw would, he was just kind of like out there floating he was just he was just, he was a great character and so he would he when you do a storyboard he did it in layers mm-hmm. so you know like if you have one drawing 44 whatever it is there are three drawing 44s one under another under another under another and they're odd they're not even the same size paper and so as he's going through, he's lifting up paper to see what's underneath it as he's delivering it. It was the craziest presentation. I mean, uh, it just, but he was, he, I mean, they're all brilliant. And we, we always had, oh, I missed it. Leo Salkin was always in all the story meetings. Because, again, Leo was, Leo was the force. And Ross totally believed in Leo. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> and except uh, Leo. I mean, I don't think he, he didn't necessarily believe all in Herb. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean Herb wasn't right, but he doesn't, but he accepted Leo, whatever it was in his in his nature. He, he Leo could talk to him. Mm-hmm. And if there was a, a, you know, a problem or something he didn't understand, Leo got it through. Mm-hmm. So uh, Leo was, uh, I mean, it, if, if it's anybody's show, it's Leo Salkin's show. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he created a thing. He followed through. Uh, he he dealt. He was in every story thing. He always called me Robert, <laughs> which I never. You know, everyone else said my name is Bob or Bobby, and he always said Robert. You know, and and he said it always, kind of correcting me. <laughs> <laughs> but he he wanted me around him when you know we when we met with the freelancers. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were doing that show there, I, I mean, I know, uh, obviously, all these different studios weren't like Hanna-Barbera, where they had multiple shows going concurrently, but was there talk of doing uh, either a spin-off show or just totally other shows and nothing ever really happened until The, the Lone Ranger, or what happened there? Well, uh, when we were getting close towards the end of the uh, show, um, Herb came to uh, Teehee, uh, Cal Howard and me, and wanted us to create another show that they could take to the networks. Mm-hmm. So they got us a room down the street. We were not supposed to, you know, and we met at night. We were not supposed to let Ross know that we are trying to see what we can bring to it. Mm-hmm. So we started out doing a... A special. I don't know why a special, because no one's buying animation specials. <laughs> but we did a thing called Lock, Stock, and Barrel. It was three three characters: hmm. Lock, Stock, and Barrel, and it was hysterical. Uh, but we we got you know kind of crazed and made a crazy ending to <laughs> it, which uh, made her you know choke on him. All of us thought it was hysterical because at the end the villain got the girl. <laughs> <laughs> Was that ever made? No. Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. No, I, I don't know. We we finished it. We did the board. Okay. And we did do it, and it was so funny because we had to, you know, we worked at night, like, I think, uh, five blocks down the street mm. in a motel. Mm. So when we finished our job, we went off to see, you know, to do that. Okay. And it was all in secret. Okay. Because, you know, he didn't, he didn't want... One, of course, he, you know, he didn't want to have a run-in with Ross, right. but I think Ross was getting more and more uh, feeling he could do it himself. He could do, you know, uh, you know, that Herb felt probably was hanging in, you know, just mm-hmm. hanging in there because Ross became more and more, uh, um, I'm going to say, I'm trying to think the right word, uh, but the confident of. Mm-hmm his skills as an animation filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time during the production where, like, Ross got so fed up and he was threatening to take the whole thing from the uh, format and give it to a different studio or anything like that? I don't know. Okay. It's possible. Okay. But yes, that w- he would not do that in the studio's presence. Okay. You know, in other words, okay. if it happened, it would be it would have happened beca- uh, behind closed doors. Okay. Uh, somebody else might know it. Okay. I mean, it's not uh, it's not open knowledge. I mean, anybody could make it up. Yeah. But and Herb's not around because right. Herb would would have been a very interesting source and a very honest, very honest person. Yeah. So he would have told you everything. Yeah. Now, I've talked to Scott Shaw and Mike Cazala, and they've said a few things that they know, probably from talking to you and other people. Um, 
one one question that Scott had because I asked, so I'm going to talk to Bob Quirks. Is there anything I should ask? And he said, uh, "Did you ever work on a show, or at least was it boarded or anything, of Lost World or Doc Savage?" And I go, "I've never even heard of cartoon versions no. of those." So it's like I figured I'd no, ask. No, no, okay, no, never did. Okay, no, never did. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm sort of a cartoon guy, but no, okay. but I, I can, I can tell you. You know, there's you know whenever you want, but different stories about some of the different people. Yeah. There, I mean, because they had a great, yeah. you know, a great mixture. So there, you know, there's like, for instance, there's Alan Zaslav, mm-hmm. who was Bob Cannon's uh, protege, and uh, he could draw. He worked at UPA, mm-hmm. and he was one of the youngest animators. Uh, you know, to become an accomplished animator. Okay. He was, he was like black belt in karate, very athletic. Mm. Uh, he's, he's going to be 90. Mm. And, because I just saw him this weekend. Oh. Uh, there was a special event for him. Uh, but I was going to say, he would, he would, he was so fast on animating that he would spend like four hours with a big board doing life drawings mm-hmm. during the day. And then he would go to animate. And on the opposite side of the desk was Stan Wilkins, mm-hmm. who was in the Navy until he was 36, mm-hmm. then went to art school for four years, <laughs> was the hardest working guy you ever saw. <laughs> and he was on one side, because they had the desk back up. One guy was work, you know, was drawing eight to nine, ten hours a day, and the other one was drawing two to two and a half hours a day. Mm. <laughs> Because Alan was so good. I mean, Alan eventually ended up teaching. I'm mean, not eventually. I mean, he did. He produced a lot of Disney shows, and he also taught life drawing at Otis uh, uh, Art Institute because uh, he's he's an extraordinary draftsman, mm-hmm. and and of course a marvelous animator. Mm. But I mean, those they, they were just there was characters everywhere. You know, not not everybody was a slave at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> And let's see. Oh, well, another person's still around, and I know he's had his own studio, and I never really talked to him before. Fred Ro- Fred Wolf. Well, you know, Fred. Fred's a good guy, mm-hmm. but Fred freelanced. Ah. So I never saw. I never saw yeah. Fred there. Yeah, because like I said, yeah, I just he, went down the list on IMDb, and it's like. Oh, I know. Yeah. I saw that too. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you wonder. Wait a minute. I don't remember. I kn- I knew. I mean, I haven't seen Fred. You know, I think I've seen okay. him once in ten years. I used we saw each other a lot in the sixties. Yeah. And he uh during the sixties he was well when he came out here he did a lot of work at Hanna Barbera. Mm-hmm. And that's where and before he had uh Mark Homie Wolf. Right. Um so uh it might be it it would be if you could get a hold of him, but I think I don't think he was as far as I know, I, I'd, I'd be so surprised. He was never in the studio. Ah, okay. Uh, I mean, he wasn't. He didn't have a desk at the studio. Have, they, they, they had, you know, they had people picking up. Right. And, yep. and that's a that's a different world. You know, you come in, get your stuff, come back, get your footage. You know. <laughs> I mean, just the same thing. Like the they they list these writers, and one of the writers, freelance writers, was uh, Chris Jenkins. Mm-hmm. He was great because I was in all these meetings, and Chris was a great story, uh, uh, a great.
so funny. Mm-hmm. And he came in, and it was just knocked down. It was it was great. He he was he stood. He was the best freelancer, and of course he was one of the mainstays for Jay Ward yeah, when they you know, when they just started. So Chris was I mean he was trained in France, and mm-hmm. he just was he was extraordinary. Then they had like people who might have been good. I, mean, I don't want to say their names because. Uh, I mean, their names are on the list, mm-hmm. and it, it was crazy. They would come in. Mm-hmm. I tell you, these two guys came in. One was in the process of probably dying from alcoholism, <laughs> so he could only he had to stand there. And and by the way, it's interesting. One would come in a suit, and he would have his hands next to like his. You know, like a, either I can't say where if he had a kidney in the front, and he's holding on to it. And he can, you know, and he's, he's in a lot of pain. He's leaning against the wall. That's one writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that very, very one time, very good writer. But now, mm-hmm. and he's teamed up with this other guy, and this other guy comes in and he starts telling. And you just can't believe people would deliver a story like this. I, I remember looking at Leo and Leo looking at me and I watched Ross turn all kinds of colors of red <laughs> as he was saying the guy says the guy's going through the board and he said well first of all he's referring to Alvin he says the little asshole does this then the little SOB runs over here then the little asshole will go over here and talk to his brother asshole <laughs> and he used these and he kept saying these awful things, describing it. Now, Alvin is Ross's alter ego. Right. So, when he got through, Leo jumped in and said, well, thank you very much. Thank you, you know, and they left. And then Ross jumped up. I mean, there's a big, and he started screaming. He said, don't you ever and he used it you know yeah. he used a derogatory term mm-hmm. ever let him ever ever he come back here with a story wow you know and i mean it was it, the explosion was huge because <laughs> ross could you know ross was as i said a power and i thought what is that dumbest thing to ever say, say, would you go in with Walt and say, about Mickey, you say, now the little asshole runs <laughs> around here and does it, you know, you just, you know, where, why would you ever do that? Yeah. But they did it. It was, it, it's very funny looking back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure Leo probably told that story many times because I don't think it's ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> when you talk about your main character, your lovable main character, mm-hmm. as you know, the little son of a bitch runs over here. Yeah. <laughs> Still makes me laugh. <laughs> Can't make this up. <laughs> so, ne- needless to say, that story was not produced. I suppose. <laughs> oh no! Hey, it was not bought. I mean, the people come in and present a story to get it bought. Yeah. So when they freelance, well, like Chris would freelance, they don't get paid. Right. They come in, they're told, come in, and they weren't paid. They get paid if it's bought. Right. Okay. So they, but they rough out, you know, and do this. Chris got paid every time because mm. he's really, really good. Mm. Now maybe I may be wrong. Maybe they had a premise, mm-hmm. and they got maybe they got a little bit of money based on the premise. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a partial payment. They might because I wasn't. 
been involved in it, they might get a partial thing right. going. But you don't get paid, and you don't get, I mean, you only get, you really only get paid if they buy the story. Mm. Just like anywhere else. Yeah. So again, Chris is way up there, those two guys are way down there. Mm. Um, <laughs> anyway. Now, were there right other down. stories you remember that probably didn't get bought for whatever reason, or, or no? <laughs> There were a lot of stories. They didn't get, uh, that's the funniest. There were a lot of stories. A lot of writers came in and couldn't get their stories sold. Hmm. Uh, um, uh, the, the majority of the stories were done by the the story crew. I mean, uh, yeah, Jan Green, one of the, and that's kind of rare, she, you know, because they didn't have women writing at that time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and doing, you know, kind of a comic writing. She was really good. A guy named Ed Nofziger. Oh, yeah. And now, he used to drive up from Laguna uh, to North Hollywood. Yeah. That's two hours. No freeways. Or maybe it's more. Yeah. Work and then drive home and then come back. He spent most of his time on the road. Wow. <laughs> great New Yorker cartoonist. Okay. And great with animals. Mm. You know, so he, 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 so you, you had Ed and Jan... And then, as I said, you, know, you, you had the great Cal Howard, and the, you know, obviously T. He was beyond. I mean, you know, T. Was, uh, you know, he 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 was very elegant and and, and uh, he's just so classy. And then you have uh, uh, Dick Shaw, uh, and Dick was funny because Dick would come in, and he came in from Newport. Yeah. Um, 
and, and he was also, he was just kind of, he had a mustache, and he was kind of a guy that things happened to. So, and Joe, Joe Syracuse can probably tell the story, uh, or confirm it, but he came in, and he had a, I'm trying to think, what is it, uh, what kind of coat, but it, uh, you know, they had that, at that time, I'm trying to think, it's a kind of, of a, 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 a funny weave. I can't think of what it is, but it was it was in on the on the on the clothes. But he had he had a spot on his coat. It was light colored coat, and so he went in to where the editorial was, and he got some acetone, which is kind of like a cleaner, mm-hmm. and he put it on a rag, and he put it on the spot. And of course, all the fibers just opened up and just you know, up like a big hole and left it by the editors who were watching this hole. And he was watching it, so he came back and he came back to our room and he had this big, and when he had a spot, now he had a bigger hole mm. in his material. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it was fun. Mm. <laughs> we did a thing where Leo. Leo Salkin drove a, um, trying, I think it was an Austin Healey. I'm not sure. It was an English car. Mm-hmm. And um, Leo was a very pale person, so he didn't like to have this. He didn't, he, he, he didn't want to see the sun. He just hated the sun. So when he worked in London, he loved it because the sun came out for one day. <laughs> so he had this car, and he never washed it. It was like, I think either dark brown or it was, it was, uh, who knows what color it was but it was dirty and he had the top up all the time and because we were just like two doors down from the um, the regular building he would park his car where our you know our office was you know where you know we just us four writers and so Cal Howard said thought let's polish his car <laughs> but with shoe polish <laughs> so I Dickshaw Cal and I we went there and we only polished half the car that faced out in shoe polish he <laughs> was too dignified and he sat there and said I'm not doing this <laughs> he, he stayed in the room writing you know, stories we spent two hours putting with Cordova and Brown <laughs> shoe polish because uh, eventually he was going to have to wash his car right? <laughs> and we polished his car and it was and then we waited you know how little kids we waited and I think whatever it was like 5 o'clock he's going to get in his car and he sees his car and then we come out and he starts laughing because he just took it he, <laughs> he just took it really well because uh, I it, you know if somebody polished your car with shoe polish, it was good times there, you know. <laughs> uh, there was, wait a minute, this, I don't want to take this call this second, let's see. Okay. I like your ring. <laughs> I, I like I'll your ring. It, wait a minute. But it, there were things like, there was a guy named Bert Jorgensen, who was a really fine artist who mm-hmm. had come over to animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was he was good friends with Alan Zasloff. And he was Scandinavian. He was always so proud of being Scandinavian. And But he was just this outgoing, very funny, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I made 
made a joke where I always would, and, and I would address him as, uh, you know, he was one of the finest minds of the 12th century. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'd all laugh, because he was always, the Vikings ruled, you know, he was he was into Vikings, he was into this. And it's just, we, we did we did things like we went down to Mexico together, uh, Alan mm-hmm. Zaslav, Fern Jorgensen, and I, uh, trying to think, Frank, as I said, Frank Braxton was great. Uh, there's a guy named Ray Eric Aragon, marvelous, marvelous artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who else. I mean, there's just Rosemary O'Connor, uh, and I have a story about Rosemary O'Connor. Okay. <laughs> if you got more time, or are you running out of time? I'm fine for now. <laughs> uh, I, I tell you what. What happened was, it's an interesting story. I think uh, the budgets are uh, were going over, and so. Uh, Herb decided to have, he had this big meeting with all the writers, and he said, we're spending too much money. We've got to find a way to write a less, you know, a less expensive story. <laughs> yeah, and so the writers, I remember, you know, they go, and, and I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, what, what can I do? You know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm into it, you know, Herb. How can we help them? The other writers go, you know, I remember when the meeting's over, they go, oh, fucking bullshit. Who mm. gives a crap? You know? Mm. <laughs> they all walk away <laughs> mad. You know, and like, you know, what do you mean write a cheap story, you know? But I thought, wait a minute, I think I can do this. So I took a musical, I took one of the musical numbers, mm-hmm. and I started it, and what I did, I can't remember what the song was, I don't remember, it's Oh Susanna or some kind of thing like that. And Alvin is drawing on the floor, and somebody says something, and you know, maybe you know, uh, uh, David Seville says something, and we go into Alvin's drawings, which are kids' drawings, mm-hmm. which I designed it with my left hand, a bunch of very simple kids' drawings. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to, we barely animated them, mm. but it was a style. Yeah. And it turned out to be a really great short, it was used in the Emmy Awards for the opening titles of the kids' drawings movement. And at that time, they didn't do, that hadn't been done, or if it did, and it was not done very often, mm-hmm. of animating kids' drawings. So a couple of years pass, and I get the mumps as an adult, mm. which is so I'm ending up watching TV, and there's a, a there's a company called The Funny Farmer, either the show or whatever, and I'm watching it, and this style comes out in these, these kids' drawings, mm. and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, shit, that looks like my stuff, uh. but I have nothing to do with this. You know, and I mean, it's not like I own the world of kid drawings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it, that doesn't, it doesn't happen. So I'm thinking, God, that's strange. So I look for the credits, and I see Rosemary O'Connor, mm. who was background and layout on uh, Alvin the Chipmunk. And I'm thinking, oh, at some point when, when I see her, I'm going to ask her. So a few weeks go by, and I happen to see her at some event. And I said, Rosemary, I got to tell you something. I, I'm feeling kind of like I'm going crazy. She said, and she says, oh, Bob, I was afraid you were going to catch it. Yeah. I said, what? And she said, the company loved the, what I'd done for Alvin the Chipmunk. And since she had been the layout 
I had forgot she had laid out my drawings. Mm -hmm. They asked her to duplicate my style for one of their shows, you know, one of their things, and she did it. And then I said, okay. And then I told her, and she says, oh, I'm, I'm, she was apologizing. I said, it's okay, because I thought I was going crazy. Like, I own this and I own that. And I says, no, no, because she's, she's really a sweet person. <laughs> and it was, it just, I didn't want to think like, hey, that's mine, that's mine, you know. <laughs> you know, you know. But uh, it was it was a funny story, but it came out of you know Herb when he had a problem would try to get the crew a whole bunch of artists to you know to help, mm -hmm. and uh, you know it again it it says a lot for Herb that he wanted to do it, uh, and I, I I felt really good because that was one cheap film that that we did that really uh, uh, did well. Yeah, I, I think I remember that one because <laughs> it's very. Yeah, I think I only did it once on the show. Yeah, yeah it was and very it was, different. I, I might have done it twice, but yeah. I think I only did it once. Yeah. Um, one one thing I didn't ask you, and you may not know this, but you know, I, I jumped to the Lone Ranger, and you said you didn't work there, but I know between those two series, Alvin Show and Lone Ranger, uh, Patty Freeling outsourced the Roadrunners and the Looney Tunes to format. You didn't work on any of those, did you? No. Okay. No, I knew. I had seen when they did some Roadrunner. Yeah. That was done. Yeah. I was horrendous. Oh, they're awful. I was, but the worst. <laughs> I was just curious if you know anything about that. I mean, how that happened. No, like, all I know. What, why? I know why did Frizz d jump him, dump him over there? Was it because he never did Roadrunner in the Warner Brother days, or what? Is there a reason? I I think they're just cheap because uh, okay. at the time Rudy Riva had worked at Warner's. Mm -hmm. He knew that. Yeah. I mean. Uh, so they had him as a director. I don't know if it's a budget. I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, those things... I, I was a good friend with Chuck Jones. Mm -hmm. And I loved the, <clears throat> the Roadrunners. And we would talk philosophically, <laughs> Chuck and I, about Roadrunner and stuff. So, you, you know, uh, Roadrunner is all about timing. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's like you just... It, there's. It's so important on um, the timing, and that had no timing, much less drawn horribly. <laughs> you know, and, and it was just, yeah, that that was atrocious. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. I was long gone. Mm -hmm. I never got to talk to anybody about it, other than I hated it okay. when I when I saw it on the air, <laughs> and I thought, well, they've fallen, and pretty much all the people that had been the crew. Of album, they're they're all gone. Mm -hmm. You know, I, very few people stayed on. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think the only name I saw looking at IMDb that was on both on everything was like Joe Syracuse again. So you know. Oh yeah, well Joe, Joe's yeah yeah yeah. You know Joe's history, right? Yes, Mike Jones and everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I got. I'll, I'll tell you how great Joe Syracuse is. I mean, just at the time we were doing Alvin the Chipmunk, he had a small restaurant that he was trying to start on oh, yeah. Ventura Boulevard yeah. down the street. Mm -hmm. And I, this is before the show, which came on, and I'm this young kid, and I really look young. I, I mean, I'm young, and then I look really young. Mm -hmm. And I was just starting out, and Joe 
came over to me. I mean, I started, you know, I, I kind of knew him. But I was just, you know, I think I'd only been there about a month, you know, maybe six weeks. He took me out to lunch. Hmm. And he just talked to me like an adult, hmm. which, you know, he did. And he, he talked, he, I, I just, uh, I thought the world of him, he just... He, uh, how can I say? He made me feel like I belonged mm-hmm. when I was I was still so young and not belonging. You know, mm-hmm. this was before the show. So Joe's always been. I mean, he's one of the most caring, open people. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy and an amazing talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people came out of Spike Jones who became editorial. Roger, I'm trying to think of his name. Roger, oh shit. Um, but he became a tra- anyway. He, he I know worked in editorial. About, yeah. <laughs> uh, Don Lee, Don Lee, something like that. And he worked in uh, over at um, Jay Ward. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible because he became my track reader for about 15 years when I had a company. Mm-hmm. Roger Donnelly, I think it's Roger Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roger, I mean, so good, he wouldn't charge me because he liked working for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that's a good guy. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, he said, "No, no, I can do it real quick. You know, mm-hmm. just commercials. Yeah. You know, let's see, wait a second. I mean, there, there, there are so many good people, mm-hmm. but they had Ambi." Paolo Alto, Paolo Walla, if I say his name right. <laughs> Ambi was one of the great animators mm-hmm. and certifiably crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, he would talk to himself. People, they had to put him far in a desk far away because he had these conversations with himself. Wow. He was always, he was one of these great artists that, People, when they did it, they had to find where to put him in a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, again, you can't make this up. I mean, this is so, you got a great guy, mm-hmm. but, and he's just, and he was, oh, he he was really intense when he talked too, you know. Mm-hmm. And he'd come out, and you almost were afraid to, you know, to say. You know, uh, nice weather today. <laughs> what he what he would go into. I mean, he was a good guy. Yeah. But it was like he had his own uh, sort of demons. And but he was so talented. I mean, he worked in the business forever mm-hmm. and all over the place. And you might want to look at a great, great character. Okay. You know, I'm not saying bad things about him. This right. is just who he is. Well, yeah. I mean. You know, doing like all these different animation books, there are eccentric personalities. Like I think John Dunn was very eccentric. All his little dudes, oh, yeah. everything. But, you know, but I mean, yeah, great, great artist. You know, but <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you expect. I mean, yeah. you know, I always figure that. I was like when I went to art school, and also when you know I had a studio. I always had, you know, we were like damaged souls. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't fit into regular society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love it. I love it. You find a place because, I mean, there's something. I loved it being in art school. I love working with animation people. And you don't expect them to be the norm. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so few. Uh, they're not. There's so few bad people. I mean, yeah. they're all good people. That's right. what's really 
great group. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about Herb, since it was his company, or I guess Herb, Herb and Jules. I mean, are they like the main people at Format? Yeah, but so. Jules wasn't that main. Jules was a minor okay. owner. Okay, so it was really Jules, Herb's thing. Yeah, yeah it was Herb. Okay. Uh, Herb was it, though. He, he, con- he consulted with Jules a lot. And, and, and what's kind of interesting about Jules, mm-hmm. Jules thought he was a story man. <laughs> and so he would be in meetings and he would try to say something about a story or do stuff. Nobody listened to him. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have this thing, like, later he became a teacher at CalArts, and he did experimental films. And, you know, and uh, and his experimental films are very interesting, and he was a great uh, painter at UPA, and he was a good painter at, uh, on, uh, uh, you know, on Alvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had other, you know, great painters, but he, and he was the lead for setting, setting style and stuff, mm-hmm. but... He, he was sort of just uh, p- put up with. And it was very funny later on when you find, you know, the, the legendary Jules single. Well, he wasn't legendary <laughs> during the album The Chipmunk Show. Yeah. He just wasn't right. that much. I remember once uh, we were in a story meeting, <clears throat> and again, no one listens to Jules, but Jules wants to get up and do things. He wants to explain something. So he gets up, <laughs> I think Alan probably remembers, and he walks over, he wants the little character, one of the characters, to kick. <laughs> and he walks up to the wall, and he kicks the wall, and his foot goes through the wall board. <laughs> it's, you know, it goes right through. And and Herb starts choking on his cigar, which he doesn't smoke, he just chews. Mm. He starts choking on his cigar because the building's rented. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we don't own the building. <laughs> and it just made a huge hole in the right. wall. Everybody laughed. I remember Alan Zaslav laughing the, the most. You know, it's just, and it, it's just, it, it was, uh, Jules was not held in great awe as he was later, both by his students and other people and stuff. Right. But, uh, uh, but Herb was Herb was very very highly respected. Mm-hmm. But Herb w- was into everything. He would move down the hall. He would and he would move almost like a fast skirt running. And then there was Henry. Did anybody mention Henry Henrietta Jordan or Hank Jordan? No. Oh, that was fucking wonderful. <laughs> she was redhead. That was Herb's secretary. <laughs> she doesn't get credit. Mm. And she was like, she just had a, you know, a sailor's mouth. <laughs> and she just talked really rough. And she said, no, you can't see him. You know, like that. Mm. And she would, <laughs> we, we would, you'd be doing something, and then we had a big intercom. And she would say, she'd come on the intercom and she'd say, Herb, get your ass back here in the office. <laughs> <laughs> and, he'd, and he'd go, you couldn't, and every once in a while she'd be doing like, okay, Herb, where are you? We're trying to get you on the phone. <laughs> and there used to be these crazy announcements coming from 
Leahy told me, uh, he said, I made an appointment with you with Herb Clint. I said, oh, no. Mm. And I said, I got a job. He says, no, you got to see him Friday afternoon. Mm. Now, I had seen Herb when I was in school, uh, a wonderful teacher, Don Graham, mm-hmm. a master draftsman, said, I mean, and, and teacher, one of the great ones, and he, he taught at Disney, you know, he's just, you know, legendary. And he had said, when, because I was going, I had had two offers at Disney and I accepted T.E.'s offering. He said, go see as many studios as you can, <clears throat> because when you're working, you can't see studios. So I went to UPA, I finally won. And when I went to UPA, Herb came in, he was smoking at that time. Mm. And he came and I had you know, those cardboard portfolios. He opened it mm-hmm. about six or eight inches and he kept flicking his cigar in in my artwork. Ugh. And I'm standing there and he's going, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And he's flipping real quick, this stuff. And I'm going, I think he's gonna set my, my whole portfolio on fire. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of glass in UPA. And there was a guy that went by who I knew from Chenard. Mm-hmm. And he says, and he turns to me and says, you want, willing to be a flunky like that guy? And I know him. <laughs> that guy's walking by with a rubber, you know, a cement jar. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, uh-huh, yeah. He says, okay, okay. And that was it. Worst interview I ever had. <laughs> so T says, you got to go see him. And I said, I don't want to see him. You've got to go see him. So I go there, and Hank, Hank Jordan is there. And I come and I say, uh, I said, I have a meeting with her. Clint, she says, you can't see him, she yells at me. In <laughs> <laughs> this raspy voice. And I hear from the other room, let him in. Uh-huh. So she says, okay. So I open the door, and he's laying on the couch. <laughs> and he has had a heart attack since I last saw him in mm-hmm. one year. Mm-hmm. So he comes, come in, come in, come in. So I come in now, because I was at Disney, and T warned me not to take my work with me, the only thing I had was the same portfolio he had dumped his ashes in. Yeah. That's all I had. <laughs> and I show him my portfolio. He takes each piece out separately. And he goes, oh, ah. And he's, he's, you know, each one is like 20, 30 seconds. And he's doing all this. And he says, he says, I'll hire you. And I'm there, and I say, okay, I already have a job. (laughs) (laughs) So I walk out, and I think, what did I just do? I mean, you know, he was so so sweet to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything was so different. And so uh, I called up the company that I, you know, TV Spots, and I said, I don't, I, I, I just accepted a job at Format. And and they said, that's okay, we'll wait for you if you don't like it. Oh. Which was wow. that was so kind. Hmm. So I called him up after a week because I I loved working for Herb hmm. and Herb had become a different you know person. He'd softened up a bit, right. and he just was he was caring. He was in, in into everything. And one of the things that's pretty funny stuff. But he, since he couldn't smoke anymore because of the heart attack, he had this like ten inch cigar that he would stick halfway in his mouth and run around but he didn't light it mm-hmm. so when you come to work and 
when he looked at your, you know, at your work mm-hmm. before you got in, and you would find in your trash this long, wet, looked like a dog turd or a horse turd, whatever, <laughs> would be there. So I would come in, and without looking at my trash, I would take the piece of paper, you know, animation paper, and mm-hmm. drop it, because I knew it was there. Because for some reason, he'd like to drop his cigar in my waste paper basket. Mm-hmm. And he was just, he was all this energy, he wanted to do the best. And then with Alan Zasloff, Alan Zasloff was a martial artist, uh, you know, art, uh, a martial arts artist, mm-hmm. you know, and he would. And at one point, I was in the room with him, and and Herb was so excitable, and he wanted to show what he wanted to do. So he took the pencil out of Alan's hand and started drawing on his drawing. Mm. And Alan, who's very calm, just looked up at him, took the pencil from him, and broke it in half. <laughs> and he said, the next time you do it, I'm going to do that to your arm. <laughs> <laughs> and Herb just went, and it's a speedy shuffle right out the door. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, good times, because Herb always meant well. Right. He cared about people. You know, he may cross the line, but it's because he just cared so much. Right. I mean, uh, people who know him, I think I think almost everybody has, you know. I mean, because he's a boss, and you know, you don't always have kind words for bosses, but mm-hmm. I think you would with this guy because mm-hmm. he was caring, and he, you know, he's uh, he's one of us. What can I say? You know. Now, he, now is it true? I heard art. I heard this is that uh, the only reason he started Format is because. Uh, the situation with UPA is he had he was a major stockholder and it was what Steve Bussistow or however you pronounce his name wanted him to sell. Oh, 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 oh Steve Bussisto. Bussisto, yeah, yeah. It, so that's a true story. He wanted uh, uh, Herb to sell his stock, and he says, "Well, if I do, I have to start another studio." Is that a true story? Then? That's probably true. Okay, <laughs> that's probably true because he was running the studio a year earlier mm-hmm. when I went there it was him He and he was doing everything mm-hmm. you know I mean he's he was a dynamo mm-hmm. I mean uh, in terms of and it and he didn't walk he shuffled everywhere mm-hmm. you know I mean uh, you know, he, he's kind of heavy set and the lakes just you know, the, you, know, the, the, you know they're like a little blur as he goes mm-hmm. <laughs> wow <laughs> It sounds, like, sounds like a, it sounds like an animated character. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I mean, it's uh, like it's so much fun. I mean, when I think about it, I mean, uh, I just, I, 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 I had a great time there. I, it's, it's one of, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, I, I enjoyed working on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, I learned so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned how to drink there. Cal <laughs> Howard used to take me out. Yeah. Cal Howard took me out, and, and Grim Natwick taught him, and mm-hmm. also Mark Davis, how to drink. Mm-hmm. So Cal would go out, and we'd have these two martini lunches, mm-hmm. which after this one incident, I started drinking there, but I, at, and it barely got into it with Cal. And then I had to come back and present one of my stories to Ross. Mm-hmm. And I came back, and I'm drunk. <laughs> I barely stand. So I start to go through 
I start to go through my board and I start giggling. <laughs> and I'm getting and Ross is looking at me mm. and and he's looking at me with kind of a smirk. He's thinking they got the kid drunk. Mm. <laughs> and I'm going through and I'm thinking I'm never going to get through this. I, I'm going to get canned. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just a fucking mess. And Ross was really sweet. He got up. He said, love your story. And he kind of looked at me and walked off. Mm. And that's the last time I ever drank when I work. Mm. I never drank when I work. That was a lesson I learned. Yeah. Uh, because I, it was like, you gotta, you got to be on your game. You know, don't right. go out. Right. Where you have to, can you believe? You know, you have to lean against the wall to get the story, right. and get giggles over nothing. You know, I was just like, yeah, I, was just, I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did Ross ever get mad at you directly? No. Oh, okay, I was just curious. Yeah. No, <laughs> he anything. would. He, he. I've seen him get mad at a lot of things. He never got mad at me. Oh. Uh, I guess I and I, I, I don't know. It's not from my point of view to say why mm-hmm. he loved Cal. He loved tea. Mm-hmm. He he loved. He, I, pretty much. I think one time he got mad at a writer. I saw him just tear you know mm-hmm. tear him apart. And of course that was one of the staff writers. Yeah. And I see him get mad in you know writing stuff. But our little group, our little uh, foursome, he never got mad. Mm. He was. He came in smiling and looking forward. Mm. He didn't, you know, he didn't come in like show me. Mm. He came in. This has got to be fun. What, what am I going to see next? Mm. You know, it was. Cool. I mean, it's different because I've worked for a lot. Of, you know, people where they come in and go. You know, their arms are folded. <laughs> you know, you know, they're, you know, they're, prove it to me. Right. He did not have that. He already. Uh, all of us. At least, you know, T, Cal, and, and Dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly because I spent so much time as that group. He had, we had his, uh, I mean, we're just on the same wave, wavelength, you know. I mean, he he was there to be entertained. I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't remember my sh- uh, stories, him making changes, but he did make changes. He would say, well, what, I mean, can you do this or can you do that? Or he would do it. Uh, I, I was probably pretty fortunate. Mm-hmm. He didn't He didn't tend to do that with me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw him with, because I was in, you know, with so many writers, I would see him change stuff and do it because that's why he has his credits as a writer. Right. Because it's very, you know, Okay. It had to get by him. Got it. And and Leo Salkin. Mm-hmm. So they would walk in together and, and as a very warm team. Okay, show us what you got. Mm. You know, and it was it was a very good environment. Wow. Um, you mentioned TV spots. You didn't say it at the beginning of the call. So you meant since it. Did you work yeah. on anything of note at TV spots, or is that so short? No, I never. I never no, they're still waiting for me. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just curious. You know. I, never, I never went there. Okay, because the whole thing about TV spots was uh, when I did my total television book again. Before they went to Gama, they did some of the King Leonardo and stuff like that at TV right. spots. So I was just curious if you had worked on that, but apparently not. So. No, okay. uh, there was. I think it was Norm Gofferson, and I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. Okay. They were so. They were very friendly. Later on, I worked with them. 
but I, it's when I was doing Roger Ramjet, and okay. they actually did layout. They came in and did layout, and I was directing. So it's kind of it all switched. It seems like all these uh, studios kind of have a little connection here and there, you know. You, oh yeah, you know. oh yeah. I mean, people, you know, go on and you know. And uh, I, you know, I kicked around. I freelanced for about eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I worked at Disney, you know, for a little over a year, and then off and on, I worked. Uh, I, I worked probably a year, maybe plus. Mm. at format I wasn't there that long maybe a year and a half okay. I, I'm, I'm not sure and yeah. then everything else was freelance yeah. for a long time until I started my company I worked at a place called uh, Film Fair mm. and that was the longest I ever worked anywhere I worked three years mm. uh, and I've I heard of Film Fair what, they, what were they best known for? Uh, uh, commercials Okay. and they had me come in because they wanted to have a new look for the commercials so they set up a special company for me called Festival Films okay. uh, because I wouldn't work and they they had this big building and it had a long corridor uh, it used to be a motel mm-hmm. uh, and so they put the animators in these long narrow corridors and it was really demeaning and at the end you open a door and at the end it was like somebody <laughs> it was like opening a closet door oh there's the animator and you close the door <laughs> so uh, at that time I had a fairly good reputation mm-hmm. so Gus Jekyll who owned the studio mm-hmm. wanted me and uh, it took about six months of negotiations before I would go in and I said I won't work in your building <laughs> <laughs> I had such a and, they, and, and he said well we have a building down the street mm-hmm. and they, you know, they showed me I said and it was a house and the back was really nice and they bought me furniture and I mean it was it, you know, they, they furnished it for me it was, mm-hmm. it was crazy mm-hmm. and so I I started doing because they were doing mainly Leo Burnett stuff and so I started doing stuff that was much much different mm-hmm. uh, except I created the uh, the Keebler Elf you know uh, campaign for him, oh, but I did stuff that went into international awards and things like that. I was using different uh, artists, and we were trying to cut new ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's when I was there, and then I also did live action there yeah. when I was there. I have one more question, at least. Sure. But the, this is kind of out of left field, but it's still animation. But I mean, we're talking totally about. <laughs> format, but um, I'm doing commentary on some Pink Panthers coming up, and mm-hmm. I think you didn't you write Dial P for Pink. Sounds familiar. Okay. Probably like, I never put the titles. I mean, you know. Uh, okay, because <laughs> I was, was going to say, do you have uh, any memories of the titles? I, I, you know, that's that's the weirdest thing. Uh-huh. You didn't write titles. Okay. They, you know, they would write, but that sounds familiar, so I think I did I it. I think it was like a spy one, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong on that one. I have no idea. Okay. A dial, dial pink or whatever. The, uh, I mean, when I see the titles, they don't mean anything because I never... Yeah. They're puns, and I hate puns, so right. it wouldn't be right. me. Okay. But I, I, the, the only reason why is I was, I'm planning to do a commentary if you remembered it, but I might ask you a separate time if I'm I you know I have I'm not going to record. I'll have it to look at, I, I can look at it. and I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's me. Yeah. Uh, but I, it, 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 I don't know if I, you can check on the credit or something. Yeah. I mean, somewhere. I think I saw that on IMDb, and I go, hey, that's one I might do a recording on. Yeah, so it's like so I was just going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I. I. I you know. Again, I said, "Hey, it sounds familiar." Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but that does make sense. You know, it's like I don't know the title. I didn't write the title, and I go, "Oh yeah." So I'd have to give you a well, description no, I, of what it was. You know, with Fritz, you know, with Fritz, and I probably told you, I you know, I'd have to come up every. I, you write a story in two weeks, and then you're exhausted, and you have to tell them on Monday what your new one was. So I remember the one I came and I said cybernetics, and that's room. Of course, you know, like you seventy cents worth cybernetics. <laughs> I said a talking, a talking weight and fortune machine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which I know I had a lot of fun with that one. Yes, uh, but you know, I I would find it, you know. I mean, because, you know, that's all he had. I mean, it was stupid for me to say cybernetics. Just why would you send me Sam know what cybernetics was? <laughs> you, know, you know, just, uh, I, I worked for some, a lot of good characters, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, as I, I told you before, I love Frizz. Yes. It was difficult to work for, but he was, I loved him. That's pretty much what everybody said. I don't think anybody, but it's funny, and I kept it in the book. You, did I give you a copy of the book? I forgot. If I didn't, I'll send you one. Oh, go ahead. I think I have it, but yeah. I, hey, I can always use two. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, but it's like about uh, ten different people uh, that I interviewed um, said, oh, Frizz was a sweetheart, but he was just like Yosemite Sam. And I decided to leave everybody who said that. So if you read through the book... Oh, yeah, well, I did it because I didn't realize it. <laughs> Nobody had ever said it before to me. Yeah. And, and after my experiences, I'm going, I'm, this, this is great. It's Yosemite Sam. Yeah, but everybody else <laughs> said it, too. And it's like people who didn't even work together that worked at different eras at Patty Freeling since they were around for 20 years or so. You know, it's like, you know, they, they'd say, yeah, it's Yosemite Sam. <laughs> so, yeah, so, it was. It was. Yeah. You know, it, it was, you know, he'd blow up. Because... <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I met him when he was very elderly, and, you know, he was very calm and relaxed. So it's like, I go, I guess this is Yosemite Sam, but, you know, I really liked and you know, was thrilled to meet him. But, you know, like I said... Well, was, he was he was explosive, yeah. uh, and, he, and he loved to put down his own artist. Uh, <laughs> and I remember at his funeral, I was sitting next to Chuck Jones, mm-hmm. and some CBS executive, they had three people talk, and they had some executive say, oh, Frizz Freeling, he's one of the sweetest men I've ever met. He was so charming and sweet. I turned to Chuck and I said, do you recognize this guy? Do you recognize who they're talking about? He says, no, I haven't, I haven't got him. No, no, I don't. I have no idea who that is they're talking about. <laughs> because you know, it was so far, you know, when someone passes away, they're the sweetest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> speak i don't know it's like i don't know how, how well how well did chuck and frizz get along i mean i never they didn't okay they didn't get okay <laughs> no uh, uh frizz used to like to refer to chuck as what's his name <laughs> <laughs> because i know kind of like as they got to be the elder statesmen of looney tunes you know they were always they always kind of mi- gave the impression that they palled around together but you know it's like no they didn't they yeah. really didn't they they were uh, they didn't get along. They weren't close, let's put it that 
way. Yeah. But they they would they would get together. Yeah. You know, they uh, there was a respect there. Yeah. But uh, I don't think they were ever close. Right. I could be wrong, but I don't think they were ever close. And certainly, he was very jealous of Chuck when yeah. I was working for him. Hmm. So, because Chuck was still going strong, doing you know specials and that, and Chuck got you know was like the you know because he could speak so well. Mm-hmm. You know, they, he was easy to to interview yeah. and do things, and Chuck loved. You know, you know, promoting everything he worked on. Fritz was not a good spoke, not a necessarily good spokesman for himself. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, as a public yeah. speaker, Chuck was, you know, Chuck was great. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's one of the few people who can actually, you know, in animation who can talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen many interviews with both of them, and uh, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it's like. Uh, Frizz is kind of a matter of fact, saying, "Yeah, I worked on these cartoons." And you know, yeah, Chuck is like more, "Hey, this is a great thing I worked on." <laughs> yeah, and then it would be a rare interview where he didn't bring in uh, Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen, I I have got to go, but you're welcome to you know call back because uh, we've gone a while. Yeah. Uh, the main gist of everything. That's why I'm going off on a tangent now. So it's like you know that if I'm not talking about Alvin show anymore, if I, yeah, so okay. I think I got well, what I really need. Uh, definitely, I'll call you uh, if I need any more or if I need clarification on something. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people there, and again, uh, and I can support if uh, you know. Um, yeah, You mean Joe? Yeah, yeah. Joe. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't blank that because uh, you know Joe. He he talks to me. We we talk about three or four times a year on the phone. Oh, okay. and, you know that, and he's always he, he calls on all all the great occasions. He's always he's he's so thoughtful. But mm-hmm. if there's something that you know you need to verify or whatever, but he will be a good source. But it will be coming from editorial. And by the way. Yes. He, uh, if you don't know it, he was um, raised, I think he was next door. I'm not sure if it's Detroit or where. They grew up together as teenagers, Who? Uh, Herb Clint. Oh, and Joe I Sir. didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'll ask I mean, they, they knew each other as kids. Oh, okay. Before they went, each went their, one, uh, their way and then came back. Right. So he... It's 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 fascinating and a rarity. Uh, uh, um, Herb Quinn and Joe Syracuse, Harry Harryhausen, and I all got our Annies at the same time. Wow! <laughs> Isn't that cool? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll let you go. I I really appreciate this and. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Mark. And, uh, okay, and uh, good luck because uh, I, I think it's a good story. I yes. think it's a good story. And Ross was really a very creative source. I mean, he was a very creative man. So. Okay. And I don't think he even knew. I don't even know if he could play an instrument. Hmm. I'm not sure. I, I'm not. I think he's like musically challenged, but he could, he's like a hummer or something. I don't know what. But he, you know, he he, he was good. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, so I'll let you go. All right. So uh, you know, let me know at some point. You know, if you need any any anything else, and, right. and good luck. Sounds good. Thank you very much.
Oh, thank you. Have okay. a good day. Okay. You too. Mm, bye. bye. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Bob Kurtz, for being my special guest. Episode number 12 will be coming soon. If you'd like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2018, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you very much, and have a good night.